Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to talk about prophesying in the Spirit. Last time I was here, I'm dealing with this series, Upper Room. Last time I was here, I dealt with praying in the Spirit. Well, this time I'm going to deal with prophesying in the Spirit. And I've only specifically preached on this subject maybe maybe once in my life that I remember that I took it as a subject. But I'm going to this morning, and I really pray you open your heart, and let's just dig into the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about it, okay? So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. If you look at the context here, Paul is really encouraging unity within diversity, just like in Ephesians 4. He's really calling for unity within diversity and telling the church that there's many different ways that God moves among us. And so we should embrace those and we should honor those, okay? It's really about unity within diversity, okay? Then he comes down to the next verse in verse 7 and he says, but the manifestation of the Spirit. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So I want to focus in on verse 10 and deal with particularly the gift of prophecy. Because as you look in the Bible, prophecy and tongues in the New Testament are mentioned, I think, more than all these other gifts. They're mentioned in many different contexts, prophecy and speaking in tongues. And it's these two gifts that are often the most misunderstood, even in the body today. They're they're often the most misunderstood gifts. And it's these gifts that particularly the church through the years wanted to suppress. And so people found scriptures and found history and found theology that would uh, basically confirm their bias against it. And so there was a whole movement uh, since medieval times maybe. Some say it had to seeds in the early 4th century, but there was a movement to say that all of these gifts ceased with the apostles, that once the last apostle, or actually once the last person died upon whom the last apostle laid his hand, these gifts ceased in the church, and we no longer needed prophetic gifts, and we no longer needed speaking in tongues because we now have the Bible. But that's just not, you can't, you can't prove that. That is not good biblical teaching because a lot of people use 1 Corinthians 13 that when the perfect comes and that which is in part will be done away with and say the perfect was the canon of the New Testament, but that's not the perfect. When the perfect comes is when Jesus himself will return. And when he comes and sets up his kingdom, then we won't need these gifts because we will have him with us. 
But until he comes, we need all of the gifts of the Spirit working in the life of the church for the profit of all in the church. Can somebody say amen? So let's look at this. I just want to look at the book of Acts just for a moment. As I've been studying through the book of Acts afresh and teaching through it on Wednesday nights, I've noticed this again at how prominent the gift of prophecy was in the book of Acts. In chapter 11, we're introduced to a guy named Agabus, who the Bible calls a prophet, and he stood up and through the Spirit predicted that severe famine would spread all over the Roman Empire. So he had a predictive prophecy of something that was going to happen in the future. And what the church did in response to it was they were encouraged then to give generously to the Jerusalem church because the Jerusalem church was basically a poor church. And this is, we see in the ministry of Paul, him raising funds for the Jerusalem church in his ministry. Then in Acts chapter 13, we see the church in Antioch. And the Bible said there were in that church teachers and prophets. And as they were fasting and praying, the Spirit said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have called them to do, which was a mission work, right? But how did the Spirit speak? I believe the Spirit spoke through prophets. He spoke through prophetic utterance. In Acts chapter 15, verse 32, this is the council of Jerusalem. We see there was Judas and Silas, the Bible says, being themselves also prophets. They exhorted the brothers with many words and strengthened them. So here again is the recognition of prophets in the Jerusalem church. Acts 19, verse 6, when the Holy Spirit came upon the Ephesian believers, when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Bible says they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So this is different. He doesn't say they spoke with tongues and everyone had the discerning of spirits. Or they spoke with tongues and everyone had the gift of miracles. It's interesting. They spoke with tongues and prophesied and it seems contextually that all of them were doing this. I've seen this happen, by the way. A dear friend of mine who was raised in a denomination that didn't believe in any of this was baptized in the Holy Spirit one night in a church service, and we stayed late with him into the night hours just with him as he was praying in the Spirit, and he prophesied over everyone who walked in front of him. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. Paul says, I'm going to Jerusalem bound in the Spirit. I'm going bound in the Spirit. Evidently, the Spirit had given him confirmation that he was going to Jerusalem and then beyond. Okay, then in Acts chapter 21, there are people at Tyre who were disciples of Jesus who warn him through the Spirit not to go to Jerusalem. Then in Acts chapter 21 verse 9, the Bible mentions the four virgin daughters of Philip the evangelist, who were called prophetesses. Young women who prophesied. And then finally, in Acts chapter 21, we see Agabus reappear. And Agabus comes to Paul, and he employs this symbolic action to reinforce the point of this predictive prophecy he had that he said, the man that this happens to, if he, if he goes to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen to him. And he takes... His, um, his belt off of, off of his 
robe basically and ties his own hands and feet and says, in this way the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. So here's just in the book of Acts, we see that prophecy was a prominent part of the church. Now, if you study early church history, which we call, we call the patristic era from the time of the New Testament to 600 A.D., if you study that portion of history, you'll find there were powerful prophets traveling, itinerating through the churches of the Roman Empire. And it was such a thing that there was an ancient book called the Didache, which gave guidelines for prophets who would come into a local house church. It was such a thing that there started to be a conflict between the local bishops, the local uh, episcopoi who ruled the churches, and these itinerating charismatic prophets. And what I believe happened, one of the many things that happened in the early church was that the bishops won out over the charismatic traveling prophets, and it's one of the reasons that the gifts waned in the early church part of a huge thesis I've been writing for years. Can somebody shout amen? amen. Just in case, I know y'all were dying to hear that, but you know. So, my, but my point being, prophetic ministry was powerful and respected in the early church. Why is it not in our churches? In fact, Paul said, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, that the church was built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. Now, we know that can be bound historically to time that God established His church through apostles and prophets, but is there not also a contemporary application of that, that God still is into the business of building His kingdom through the ministry of apostles and prophets? Can somebody say amen? amen. I, want to give you some, I want to give you some facts about prophetic ministry and prophesying in the Spirit in the New Testament. I'll give you four things. First of all, prophecy is a gift of the Spirit. Prophecy is a gift of the Spirit. Paul said in chapter 12 that we just read of 1 Corinthians that the manifestation, verse 7, of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And one of the manifestations of the Spirit is the gift of prophecy. So when the Spirit comes, He comes to bring forth gifts and minister gifts through us so that we can bless the whole body. A spiritual gift isn't just for you to possess and never use or possess and never help someone with. It's for you to be a channel, a conduit, through which God moves and flows so that other people can be blessed. And my prayer this morning, really, is that the Lord just unlocks and untaps the potential that's in you to move in the gifts of the Spirit. Because you have stuff in you that God is doing in you and He wants to do through you that somebody else needs. I think we used to think about gifts of the Spirit. Well, he has the gift of healing. Oh, man, he's an amazing guy. But really, it's not for the praise of any person. But the gift of the Spirit comes, healing comes, so that you might minister that gift to some sick people. The word of knowledge comes so that you might minister that gift to some people whom God wants to touch and wants to speak 
knowledge to them. And usually what I found in the word of knowledge is that God unveils knowledge to somebody and reveals it to someone of someone's life so their faith is loose to believe God for the miracle God wants to give them. And the same thing with prophetic. It is to be eagerly desired. Paul says over two chapters from this in 1 Corinthians 14, he said, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts and especially that you may prophesy. That you are to actually desire to prophesy. That you actually are to want it. Maybe you never thought about that before. But you should want to prophesy. Amen? I mean, I've gotten to the point, I've been like, Lord, please, let me minister in the gift of prophecy. Give me work. Give me people's names and numbers. Give me knowledge that people don't know that I know about them so I can unlock miracles because I don't want church to just be we sing songs to the Lord, hear a teaching from the Scripture, pray a prayer, and go home. That's, that's great in itself, but I want it to be we sing songs to the Lord, we hear a teaching that encourages us, and then everyone is touched in the house. And everyone is ministered to and people get what they came for and people get what they need and God reaches down and touches them at the deepest point in their spirits. Well, can somebody shout amen? So when we prophesy, it might seem like it is not supernatural because it might come across in conversational tone. And it's going to come across in your language. This is what's so confusing sometimes. There was a meeting years ago where uh, a mentor to me and Jackie, a guy named H. Richard Hall, was ministering. And this lady got up and prophesied and it was, God ain't going to do this, and he's coming over yonder and over here. And It was a mountain lady. And his organist said, Brother Hall, surely that wasn't God speaking like that. And he said, no, son, God speaks in the language of the people. If you have incorrect English, it just probably will come out in incorrect English. Don't let it dampen your faith. If you talk like a New Yorker, it's going to come out sounding like a New Yorker. If you talk like somebody from Alabama, it's going to come out sounding like somebody from Alabama. If you talk like somebody from Weeksville, it's going to come out sounding like somebody from Weeksville. You are to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Now I want you to notice something else. This has challenged me. I'm working with it. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 23 says, Paul said, Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, And all speak with tongues. Why? Because all can speak with tongues. And there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers. Will they not say that you're out of your mind? He's saying there needs to be order with the use of tongues, especially the gift of tongues and interpretation. Then in verse 24 he says, But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all and he is convicted by all. Here's just my challenging thought in that. If it's possible for all to speak in tongues, is it therefore possible that all might prophesy? On the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, Peter stood up and preached and said, In the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Like it was a blanket statement. 
that God is opening up this gift to the entire body. Now, I know I read he gives severally as he wills, but I just want to open you up and open your mind to thinking that everyone just might be able to prophesy. I don't really hear him saying that about any other gift except the gift of tongues. That all may speak in tongues. Mark chapter 16, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall speak with new tongues. It's given to the whole body. But also, I just want to challenge you that the, the gift of prophecy very well could be given to the whole body as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. Now, I know Paul is dealing with a cultural issue of head coverings, but I think the deeper message is here. We have men prophesying and women prophesying. Hello. Some people say, well, no, women can't speak in church. Well, what are they doing prophesying? Women's not to teach in church. Well, what are they doing prophesying? Because the same people who teach that doctrine also teach that women can't preach in church. And they also teach that prophecy isn't, as we understand, inspired utterance of the Spirit, but it is a learned, inspired message. So if it's a learned, inspired message, then you really got a problem because women are doing it here. Church still love me this morning? Prophecy is revelation, though, because Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22, 20, 29, rather, let two or three prophets speak, let the others judge, but if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let them first keep silent. Okay, this shoots down two things. First of all, the issue of, of prophetic word isn't that it is just a learned, inspired Bible message or teaching. Prophetic is revelatory. So when God comes, he brings revelation to a prophet that didn't know that before. And that prophet starts speaking things that they didn't learn through human study. Can somebody shout amen? amen. Second thing is the gift of prophecy isn't ecstatic. It isn't when the prophets are moved upon like the, the oracle of Delphi or something in ancient Greece. It's, it's not like that we're carried up into a trance and we have to prophesy and no one can stop us because we're so spiritual. That isn't New Testament prophecy. What he's saying is you will get that thing in your spirit and God, you know God wants you to prophesy, but you are to sit there with it until there is an appropriate time in the meeting to give a prophetic word. And if there isn't an appropriate time, you go home with it unspoken. That's New Testament prophecy. Have I landed from Mars? Or am I, are y'all understanding what I'm coming, where I'm coming from? Because in Pentecostal church, I, which I grew up in, okay, we, we had this understanding that you only speak in tongues when you're shaken and seized by the Holy Spirit. And then no one can stop you. Or that you only prophesy when you're taken over by the Spirit. No one can, can stop you. That's not New Testament prophecy. It's not New Testament speaking in tongues. 
However, prophetic words are not equal to Scripture. You're to take the Bible over any prophetic word. And any prophet who claims to be speaking on the level of Scripture is probably a cult leader. Because in the history of the church, when you have somebody coming with new Scripture, you have a cult. Or you have somebody who speaks and it's their prophetic authority that rivals any Bible teaching, you've got a problem in the church. Prophetic word, it is an utterance of the Spirit that is revelatory, that is forthtelling, and I believe foretelling sometimes, though some teach against that, but I'll show it in a minute. But it's nevertheless does not equal the level of Scripture and the canon of Scripture. However, prophecy is a miracle. Just as speaking in tongues. When you're praying in tongues, it's really a miracle. It's God working a miracle in you so that you might pray the perfect will of God. And when prophetic word comes forth and it's really God speaking, it's being called miracle in the form of speech. Because what else would be a miracle except God speaking in the vernacular of, of, of our region, speaking through a person, a message directly to us? Can somebody shout amen? amen. Prophecy is a gift of the Spirit. The second thing is, prophecy can also be a ministry gift. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. I want to show you something. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says in verse 11, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The term for gift here is a different Greek term than the term used for gift in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Also, the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 are claimed to be gifts of the Spirit, but here in Ephesians 4, Paul says it's a gift of Christ. And so I've wrestled with this as well, but this is what, what I see in Scripture. Anyone can prophesy as the Spirit moves upon that person because it's a manifestation but there are some, as Paul said, in the body who are called to be prophets. There are some in the body who are called to be apostles. There are some in the body who are called to be pastors, evangelists, teachers, and so forth. And that's not everyone. So I believe there is an office of the prophet. There are some people that God has just wired, gifted, called and ordained to be prophetic ministers in the body. And their job is to equip the body so that the body might be built up and encouraged. Their job is to equip the body. Just like an evangelist's job is to come and set us on fire and stir us up and awaken our eyes to the harvest field. A teacher is to come with that gift and calling in his or her life and open our eyes to the Scripture and anchor us always back to the Scripture. The apostle comes to show us new fields and establish and send out and build up so the church can be established. The, the, the prophetic minister comes to tie you back to the Word of the Lord and what God is saying about this certain situation. 
And you know if you're around some of these people, they're constantly bringing you back to that idea. It's like if you have have a ministry and you have a ministry team and there's a teacher on that team. Every discussion, pretty much that person's going to go, where is this in the Bible? Is this in Scripture? Come on, we got to be scripture. And if you have a prophet in the house, have we prayed about this? What's God saying? What's the word of the Lord to us? And you know what? We need all that. Because if we only have one gift, we're, we're imbalanced. But if we have all the gifts, we are balanced. That's why he's saying we need all of this so we can be a mature man and grow up into the full measure of Christ. Can somebody shout hallelujah? I believe, are there prophets today? Absolutely. There are prophets in the body of Christ today. Some people minister prophetically. Are they flawless? No. People miss prophetic words. Why? Because we're human beings. And we're dealing with with, with human flesh and trying to hear the word of the Lord. And sometimes prophetic people miss it. I'm I'm very close friends to one of the uh, most well-known prophets in the nation now. And he said, Hans, I'm not perfect. I miss it. That's, and as you grow in the prophetic, number one, you got to understand that sometimes you'll miss it. And as we grow in the prophetic, we need to understand sometimes when people prophesy to us, they might miss it. Why else would Paul say, several of you sit on the sidelines and judge that word? If it was infallible, we wouldn't have to judge. But we're fallible human beings, so we need a balance and accountability in the body when it comes to prophetic ministry. This is what the world doesn't understand, and this is what the church that doesn't believe in these gifts does not understand. Somebody misses something, they take it, and it's plastered everywhere. Everybody's posting it on Facebook. Don't do that. Be responsible and walk as a disciple and learn you're fallible too. And we pray. You know, one of the greatest lessons I think my wife taught my daughters was that when God reveals something to you, number one, it's for you to pray about. It's not so you can go blab it to everybody in the world and call all your friends and put it on Facebook. When God reveals something to you, it's for you to pray about. And especially if he reveals something to you about someone else, you better watch and walk in integrity with that and not blab it, but take it to the Lord in prayer. And I I saw her wrestle for months over words she gave people. Sometimes for months she would not be at peace and could not be at peace because there was something in her spirit. But she prayed about it, prayed about it, prayed about it, and finally confronted the person with the word of the Lord. And sometimes they were happy. And sometimes they weren't happy. (laughs) Such is the life of a prophet. Hallelujah. They stoned the prophets. Just remember that. Remember the calling of the prophet Isaiah. I'm sending you to a stiff-necked people. You're going to be preaching, but they're not going to listen. You're going to give a message, and they're not going to heed it. Praise the Lord for that ministry. Amen? That's the ministry Isaiah was handed. You're going to go, and, and they're not, it's not going to work, but you got to go. Well, somebody shout hallelujah. Third thing. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. I want you to look at this because this really helped me. Romans, I know I'm more teaching this morning, but it's what we need. Romans chapter 12, verse 6, Paul also gives teaching on the gifts here. And he says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them 
if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Here's one thing I've learned. I'm still learning, but I've learned that gifts work by faith, just like everything else in the kingdom. You're saved by faith. You're baptized in spirit by faith. We prophesy by faith. Years ago, when I first started evangelizing, we were sitting with a friend who was a, a, a prophet. He had been traveling for years and years and years, and this guy really moved in, in a strong prophetic anointing. And I asked him, I said, why is it that I can go to some churches, and that church is on fire, and I feel like I could prophesy over everyone in the building some nights. However, I go to other churches, and I feel like I couldn't prophesy if my life depended on it. There just didn't seem to be that atmosphere there. I said, is it dependent upon the people and their faith? And he looked at me and said, no. It's dependent on your faith. You'll grow to the point where you can walk in and prophesy by faith. Where you can release that gift in your life by faith. You prophesy in proportion to your faith. I want to challenge you with that word. You prophesy in proportion to your faith. You speak in tongues in proportion to your faith. If you have to wait till the chills and goosebumps come to speak in tongues, you're waiting for an atmosphere to, to, to try to gin up that gift in your life when you need to release it by faith. Oh, hallelujah. Are y'all getting anything I'm saying here this morning? The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet Release it by faith and prophesy in proportion to your faith. The final thing I want to say, and I want to land here for a moment, and that is prophecy is given for the purpose of building up the church. Paul said as much. It's given for the purpose of building up the church. Turn back to 1 Corinthians and let's go to chapter 14. First Corinthians 14, and let's look at verse 3 here. Paul said, but he who prophesies speaks three things. Notice them. First, he speaks edification and exhortation and comfort. But he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. And it doesn't mean that's a bad thing. We need to edify ourselves. Let the Spirit come and pray in tongues and let God build you up. Jude 20, praying in the Spirit, building up your most holy faith. We need to do that. But when someone prophesies, it ministers to the body. It builds up. It doesn't tear people down. It exhorts. It might be an admonition, an encouragement, even a warning to move ahead or not in a proper manner. It comforts. It's the Spirit bringing comfort to your soul, bringing a, a ringing a bell, confirming something that's in your life. I believe prophetic word is more confirmational than directional because when we get into directional prophecy, we need to really be careful because when you're telling somebody, the Lord's saying, sell your home. Lord's saying, move to California. I'm not saying God can't give those, but you better know you've heard from the Lord before you start tampering with somebody's brain telling them what to do. 
There are many ministries that don't believe in allowing their people to prophesy dates, mates, or moves. Now, maybe the people who are seasoned in the prophetic or walk in that prophetic office can, but when you start prophesying someone a mate, you're messing with some people. I'm just going to say, don't do it in this church. Don't come. I mean, I, 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 God can speak those things, I believe, through seasoned prophetic people, but be very careful. You know what, I believe I'm, God sent, God's putting you together with uh, Joey over here. And you might be like, say what? Or God's telling you, uh, you're, you're moving in three months. You need to be really, I, I, H. Richard Hall, who we grew up under, he said this, he said, somebody came to him and said, brother, the Lord says that you're to go to Africa. He said, What? said, Brother Hall is to go to Africa. He said, no, 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 you must have heard Paul because God ain't called me to go to Africa. <laughs> I love, just be that bold. Be that bold. If somebody comes, you know, the Holy Spirit is in you just as he's in the prophet. And when God speaks something to you prophetically, the Holy Spirit is living in you as well. And it should ring a bell in your spirit that what this person is saying is right on. If it doesn't, and it's like fingernails across the chalkboard, for those of us who grew up with chalkboard, it's like fingernails across the chalkboard. You need to back up, and, and you need to back up from that and don't swallow all of that thing. Can somebody shout amen? God speaks to us by His Spirit. The first line of God speaking to us is by His Spirit, I believe. The, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. God comes and speaks to us spirit to spirit. There's a knowing in your spirit. He gives you pictures in the spirit. He drops words into your spirit. He can give you certain feelings in the spirit. And then he speaks to us by his word. Those are the primary ways God speaks to us. When the prophetic comes, it's to be a revelatory thing where God calls out those deep things within you and starts ringing the bell within your heart. I was, uh, I felt God was, I was, I was hungry for the word when I was a young, a young man. I was really, really hungry for the word. I just, I loved to hear people preach. I would study the Bible. I was playing music in the church, and, and I, I, I don't know. And, and, and finally, my pastor looked at me one day, and he said, Hans, you have a musical ministry, but there's also a ministry of the word in you. And when he said that, it's like somebody was ringing a bell. He didn't say, thus says God to you. He didn't say that. We were just driving down the road in his car, and he looked at me and he said that. Then I got a scripture. I was in prayer, and the Lord said, turn to this book, this chapter, this verse. And it was Jeremiah 3.15. I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. It was feeding a desire I had in my heart, confirmed by leadership. Then I show up at a church one night. A guy who had never seen me, didn't know me from Adam, looked at me on the back row and said, The Lord says He's calling you to proclaim His Word. You're going to stand in congregations and proclaim the Word of the Lord. I could go on and on and on. I, then I go to an evangelistic meeting in Western North Carolina, and an evangelist looks at me and says, can I pray for you? And I come out, he takes his coat off of him, 
puts it on me. And he says, the Lord says, now the spirit of the evangelist is on you. Within a few days, I was in a meeting with our mentor and really Jackie's father in the Lord. And he calls me out and he says, stand, son. And he takes his coat off. He puts it on me. He says, you're anointed of the Spirit, but God's anointing you with the Word. And he lays hands on me, and it was like timber falling. I could go on and on and on. So God confirmed through prophetic action. He confirmed through giving me Scripture. He confirmed through leadership. He confirmed the desire that was already burning in my heart. Can somebody shout amen? I think as well, I'm just going to say it here. There are prophetic people. There are people seasoned. There are people who move in the office of a prophet, I think, who flow in this, and I honor them. But I think in the church we need to be cautious about prophesying natural disasters and predictive things in the nation. I just really do. Why? Because I've seen some people shipwrecked through that. I had someone come to me a few years ago here and say, hey, uh, we have a prophetic word that a tsunami's coming this fall to the East Coast. And I, I love these people, and I honor them. They're really great people. So they left this whole area, moved all lock, stock, and barrel, moved away. And here we are years later, and no tsunami came. So I'm telling you, we need to be cautious and really wise in flowing in the Spirit and understand you know, what is the source, who is the source of this prophetic word? Are they seasoned? Do they have character? Do they have a track record? Because I've had, it seems like I've heard every crazy prophetic thing you can imagine. And, and so we hear stuff like this, and I know some of y'all are saying, then why don't we just not do any of this? Let's just have safe church and go home. Because that isn't the full counsel of God. God wants to give us everything. He wants, to, he wants to open up the full level of revelation to us. And Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians 5. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. So within two sentences, I think he taught us what to do. Embrace the prophetic, but chew the meat Spit out the bones. Don't set aside the bad stuff and don't let it shipwreck your faith. Can somebody shout hallelujah? hallelujah? Somebody came to my wife and prophesied to her years ago and said, You're dealing drugs. I see that nice car you're driving, you're hauling drugs in the back of it. And she goes, Then started talking to her about her husband. Well, she wasn't married. No. Then I had another friend. He said somebody came up to him, prophesied to him in church, you're going to be broke the rest of your life. He said, Hans, I got so mad, I went down to the local Chinese restaurant. And I opened up a fortune cookie, and I got one of those one-in-a-million lucky fortune cookies. I had it laminated and put it in my billfold, and he became a very successful guy. I said, it's bad when the Chinese fortune cookie has a better prophetic word than the people at church. 
like one person stood up in church and said, and the Lord says, I'm going to write Michelob over the doors of this church. He meant Ichabod, but it came out Michelob. You know, that's not what you want. <laughs> there is a true prophetic. I, I know I've, I've given some warnings, and I said some things on my heart here, but there's a true prophetic gift that I honor and that I cherish. And I'm telling you, I have prophetic words written down. I have stuff I've prayed over. I have stuff that really helps shape my life because when a true prophetic word comes to you, that thing the Bible says you're to do warfare with. You're to take it. And you're to say, God, I know this was confirmed, and I know your word. I'm, I'm trusting you to pull all this together, but God, I remember when you spoke to me. I went, I was broken, I was busted, I was at the end of my rope, and I showed up in 2009 at a meeting in the month of February in Virginia Beach. I showed up and sat with a man named Bill Mayo, and we sat together during one of the morning sessions. He pastored this church. Later on that night, I came in, and uh, there was a speaker there named Tony Miller. And Tony Miller preached this incredible word, and at the end of it, there were three people he prophesied to, and I was one of them. And he looked at me, and he said, Hans, I just met you tonight, but the Lord says to you, you've been hidden. But this night, he says, I'm placing you on a pedestal, and everyone's going to know the Spirit of the Lord's upon you. And that summer, we moved here. And that summer, my whole world shifted. And I'm telling you, I knew it was, I cried, I wept. It was ringing a bell. I knew it was a prophetic word. And I've looked back at that word so many times as a real, I mean, it was a real shift in my life. And I could give God praise and hook my faith to it. And God did just what the man said. Amen. Come on, can somebody shout hallelujah? Oh, hallelujah. God, God does, this is what I'm talking, the true word of the Lord coming and the true word of the Lord sinking down deep into our spirits. Dr. J. Rodman Williams gives us five characteristics of true New Testament prophecy, and I'll close with this. Number one, true, true New Testament prophecy is an expression of the mind and spirit of Christ. That means when it comes forth, it is really representing Jesus. It's really representing Jesus. Number two, true prophecy is harmonious with Scripture. It's not going to go contrary to the teachings of Scripture. True prophecy, number three, builds up the church. Prophetic words build up the church and give us faith and give us revelation to see into what God's heart is for us. Number four, true prophecy finds consent and agreement in the heart of the community of faith because the Spirit is working in all of us, and when God speaks, God God will bear witness with our spirit. And then finally, true prophecy serves to glorify God, not man. It glorifies God and not man. Can somebody shout hallelujah? So it's, this is what I'm going to challenge you with today. Open your life to the prophetic ministry. Yeah, but Hans, I'm not called to be a prophet. I'm not saying you are, but I'm saying everybody can prophesy. I look at the gifts of the Spirit, the nine manifestation gifts of the Spirit, as a toolbox. And when someone comes to your house, and let's say they're coming there to do a roof, to replace the roof, the guy doesn't just show up with a screwdriver. He's going to show up with a toolbox. He's going to have everything he needs, all the hammers and all the saws and all the nail guns. Everything's going to be there. So when the situation calls for it, he can reach into the toolbox 
and pull out the specific tool to do the job. Same thing with the manifestation gifts of the Spirit. God just wants us to be filled with the Spirit. And then when we walk into a certain situation, Holy Spirit will come and pull out the gift that's needed for that certain situation. I've been in places and I felt the gift of faith rise up in me and I prayed for somebody and I've seen miracles happen instantaneously. I've been in certain situations and I felt like a word of knowledge came and I spoke it forward and it was exactly what was needed and it opened the door to miracles. I've been in many situations where I would hear something and I would start prophesying according to the Spirit because it was exactly what was needed in that situation. In that regard, all of you can prophesy. But even if it's not that, let's just boil it down and reduce it to the bare minimum. All of you can give an encouraging word to someone. Any, every one of you should be able to give an encouraging word to people. You should be able to go up and say, man, let me just encourage you. You know, the Bible says if you, you're going to reap if you faint not. Just hang on, my brother. You're going to walk up to somebody and say, you know, even Peter got his eyes on the circumstances and fell down, but the Bible says Jesus reached down his hand and pulled him out. Be encouraged, my brother. You're coming out. Every one of us can build up and encourage and exhort one another. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So I want you to get this in your spirit. I want you to get this in your spirit. So when you go to IHOP, you can prophesy over the waitress. I want you to get this in your spirit. So when you're walking the walls of Walmart, hallelujah, or the halls of Walmart, or the aisles of Walmart, when you're walking the, I say walking the, walking the walls of Walmart would be interesting. But when you're walking the aisles of Walmart and God gives you a word for somebody, you can, in a gentle spirit, in the spirit of Christ, walk up and say, hey, and, and you don't even have to say, thus says the Lord. You know, I often say, I feel something in my spirit. Can I just share it with you? And I just start going. And there's something else Ted Shuttlesworth taught us, and I've noticed it to be true, and that is there's an anointing in proximity. That sometimes I know the Lord wants me to minister to somebody, but I don't know what he wants me to do. So you know what I do? I just walk over to the person. Jesus did this. You notice the, the gospel. And as I get near that person, then you just jump into the deep end and you just start going and God will give you something. My daughter Alex is amazing at this. She did this prophetic training in Europe. And uh, she said, Dad, they taught us to prophesy off objects. Like take an object and just use it and Go. So I was sitting up in bed one night, and I said, well, prophesy over me. She said, well, we got to at least pray a little bit. And I said, well, let's pray a little bit. So we prayed in the Spirit, and we started. I know it's going to freak some of you all out, but you need to be freaked out. We were praying in the Spirit, and as we were praying in the Spirit, Alex looked down, and there was a bottle of lotion in my room. And she goes, Dad, God says you're like this. You're a soothing salve to people. Boom, and it became a springboard. She just started prophetically. I started crying because it started ringing a bell in my spirit. I know that's wild, but hey, we need to get a little bit wild. I'm tired of tame church. I'm tired of frozen chosen church. Come on, we need to get out, get out in the deep and allow God to minister through you in the prophetic. Allow God to speak. What if all prophesy? Paul said, well, if all prophesy, you know what's going to happen? People who are lost are going to come in and say, surely God is in this place. Fall down on their face and repent. 1 Corinthians 14. Despise not prophesying. Forbid not speaking in tongues. That's how he ends the chapter. Forbid not 
this stuff. Allow it to happen in your midst. Let's all stand. I hope you all got something out of this. This was heavy teaching this morning. but So come on, raise your hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you right now for releasing the prophetic ministry in this church. And God, I thank you for releasing the people to prophesy. Because getting God, now the word of faith has been spoken. And now the word of faith come, now that the word of faith comes, people can attach their faith to it and can walk into the new season and a new ministry that you have for them, prophetically speaking. God, I thank you that some are going to start writing down what they're hearing and what they're sensing. Some are going to start taking notes on their phones and notes in their journals and start testing these words. And God, I thank you for it right now in the name of Jesus. And I give you praise, Father. I give you praise. I pray that Fountain of Life becomes known as a powerful church of the Spirit, a powerful church of the prophetic ministry that is quality, that is seasoned, that is is powerful, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God, I give you praise for doing it right now. Come on, just lift your hand. Just go ahead and pray. Just just pray something like this. Lord, use me. Here am I, God. Here's my voice. I give you my tongue. I give you my voice. I give you my mind. I give you my heart. Lord, speak through me. Speak through me, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Use me, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, use me to prophesy over my family, to speak words of exhortation, encouragement, and edification to my family, to the church, to my small group, Lord. I give you praise for it right now in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. We glorify you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for listening today, watching with us, opening your heart to the Word of God. It's my highest honor to preach the Word, our church exists to reach people like you. That's why we exist, to be able to communicate the gospel to the entire world. God has given us such an amazing outreach here to be able to do it this way through the internet and stuff. It's just, it's just absolutely amazing. So I pray that God has touched you today, that God has ministered to you, and I want to pray for you right now. If you need to accept the Lord into your heart, give your life to Jesus, or if you need healing in your body or healing in your mind, I want to pray for you right now. Could you join with me? Come on, just make this declaration. Jesus, I believe you are my Lord and my Savior. I repent of all sin, and I commit my life to you right now in Jesus' name. Come on, if you need healing, stretch out your hand. Father, for those who need a healing touch, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you heal them body and mind and touch them right now. We rebuke the disease and sickness that it's afflicting their body. And I pray for a complete wholeness. Come over them in the name of Jesus. And we give you thanks for it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, give him praise right where you are. Thank God for everything he's done in your life. Tell somebody what the Lord has done for you. We love you guys, and it's a privilege to come to you.